Good morning, Boker Tovo. Welcome back to Living with Amuna. I am so excited to be back together. We have so much to catch up on. So many Amuna stories to share. So much learning, so much energy, so much excitement. I want to thank our generous series sponsors for the year, Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, our dear friends in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. We remain incredibly grateful to them for their generosity this morning. Sheer, as well as sponsor in memory of Dr. Jacob M. Hiller, who exemplified and modeled a life of Simcha Sachaim. Spent a lot of time learning about Simcha Sachaim, Simcha smiling, Simcha Hatzlacha, and so on. And by Michelle and Marnie Weingarten in honor of their parents, Dr. Alexander and Merrill Weingarten. Thank you to all of our generous sponsors. We are so deeply appreciative. I am very excited to present to you that our notebook has arrived, just as Alana has arrived. Big thank you to Alana, the incredible graphic designer, for putting together a beautiful notebook based on our Living with Amuna Sheer. This, uh, if you remember, we spent a lot of time talking about turn the page. We don't have to get stuck, we're not fixed, we're not locked. Our life doesn't have to be what it was yesterday. But every day we can turn the page. Moda'ani, thank you Hashem for a new day. And we turn the page. So it's a blank notebook, the top of every single page. Moda'ani, thank you Hashem for a new day, turn the page. And the idea is, you can uh, keep your lists, and you can write your journal, and you can put down whatever you want. But every day you turn the page, it's a new page. It's a new page in a Moda'ani. A new... Where do you get it? I hope somebody would ask. Right after the Yamuna show, you could purchase it outside. Together with our Caffeinate with Kavana cup, our Living with Amuna Turn the Page notebook. And for those who are watching or listening online, Amir Tzashem soon, we will be able to make it available for purchase online as well. So a big thank you to Greta Baum for her help. Alana Landa, incredible graphic design. All your graphic design needs. Amazing vision and creativity and ideas. Thank you so much for this. And very, very excited. I was actually just talking, to, they came in the other day and I was talking to somebody who was going through a difficult time with friends and socially and was very, very upset and very, very disturbed. And I said, here's a notebook. Tomorrow morning you wake up and turn the page. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. Moda'ani. Thank God. Thank Hashem for the opportunity every day to turn the page. So... Every morning you can caffeinate with Kavana and you can turn the page and you can start every day with living with Amuna. Very, very excited about that. And a big, big thank you. Want to get back to our learning. We're in Biyam Durachacha. Interestingly, Biyam Durachacha, not on Elul and Rosh Hashanah. Biyam Durachacha on Pesach and Sviras Omer. Why are we still there? Why are we stuck in Pesach and Sviras Omer? Because we've been talking about the notion of Katnas, Mochen de Katnas and Mochen de Gadlas. We have been talking about moments of advance and moments of retreat front and back, when we feel Hashem connection, ruts of a shov, running to and recoiling away. At times in our avodas Hashem, at times in our amuna, we're on fire. We feel His presence. We feel connected. We can't wait to next talk to Him. We feel Him all around us. We're filled with faith no matter what happens or goes wrong. And there are other moments, we're just not feeling it. We're going through motions. It's not connecting. We don't feel His presence. We don't feel attached, we feel distanced. And we've been learning, why did Hashem design and create a world in such a way with such a rhythm? And how do we connect with Him? And how do we elevate ourselves, even in those moments where we feel a little bit further from Him? But I want to share with you first two Emuna stories, because I love the Emuna stories that people share with me. Uh, one I witnessed the other day, and the other went around. You might have seen it online, but I think it bears repeating. We were in a wedding in New York the other day. We were coming down the elevator, eighth, ninth floor, wherever the wedding was, and there was a, a woman in the elevator, we happened to know her, happens to be related to somebody in our community, and her eyes were closed, and she was mumbling under her breath, 
Hashem, 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 Hashem. And then when we hit the lobby and the doors open, she said, thank you, Hashem. So I said, what was that? She said, I hate elevators. So every elevator ride is a conversation with Hashem. So the whole way down was Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. We hit the lobby. Thank you, Hashem. But I thought, you know, the elevator ride is a metaphor for the ride for life. It's bumpy. could get stuck. It stops at floors you're not really interested in stopping at. And when you get to where you're meant to be, thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for bringing me here. Thank you, Hashem, for getting me here safely. But I love that she channeled whatever anxiousness she had about an elevator into an opportunity for a conversation with Hashem. Rav Pinkus writes that in Sharon Betfila. Rav Pinkus, the great Rav Pinkus Atzal, in his Sharon Betfila writes, he says, you know, you stub your toe and you scream, ouch. So the ouch could either be an ouch, which is fruitless and pointless and just a scream, or the ouch could be, ouch Hashem. <laughs> you, could, you could react and feel and scream, and it can just be out there, or you could react and scream and it could be out there, and you're using the fact that there's a moment of enthusiasm, energy, passion, the moment of feeling alive, to might as well direct that and channel that to a connection with Hashem. So whether it's an ouch, or whether it's a groan or a sigh, or whether it's a smile or a laugh, but every experience and every opportunity is an invitation to a relationship with Hashem. So every elevator ride could be fraught with fear, or every elevator ride could be, I'm getting in the elevator with Hashem and He's going to take me down. We're going to go down together. We're going to go down together. There are people, so people have all kinds of anxiety, fear, worry, meetings, travel. I had a child who didn't love escalators. Now she hops on the escalators, but it used to be a massive negotiation to get on an escalator. Whatever a person's particular hangup, we can overcome it if we say, this is not a moment of challenge, this is a moment of opportunity and invitation. I thought that elevator ride was a great metaphor for life, for elevators, which for her was significant, or for other people, if elevators are not a big deal, other things, other rides in life, which are filled with fear, to use it as an opportunity. Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, when we get there. That was number one. Number two, you may have seen this online. I loved this story. My 16-year-old son just got home from camp. Someone posted this. It's a beautiful... Um, WhatsApp group, and it's on social media, called MKY, Mika Amcha Yisrael. So much bad news about the Jewish people online. So many terrible stories, so much bad news. So Mika Amcha Yisrael put together, uh, some people put together, it's really best than others, uh, a channel or, or postings of the good news, of Mika Amcha Yisrael. Not, let's not only catch the Jewish people when we do wrong, let's catch the Jewish people doing right. Let's catch the Jewish people not only when we're turned off, let's catch the Jewish people when they can turn us on to Yiddishkeit and to Hashem. So this was posted in there. My 16-year-old son just got home from camp and due to flight cancellations, his luggage was misplaced at the airport. The airline said they will not be able to do anything about it for at least 10 to 12 business days. Beside for actual clothing, we have a family wedding tomorrow and buying a whole new Shabbos wardrobe is not feasible. We live out of town and we're in Lakewood for the Chasla and I didn't know who to turn to. My sister posted the following request on her status. Teenage boy came home from camp. All of his luggage is lost. If anyone has T-shirts, Shabbos clothing, etc., please let me know. Within minutes, she had many responses, including the following. I'm out of town, but I'll give you the combination to my house. Please go in and go to my son's room and help yourself to anything you need. Whatever fits the boy can have and keep. We just got back from the wonderful Yid's house and we are fully equipped for Shabbos and weekday. When I sent her a total stranger to me, a thank you, this was her response. Amen. My pleasure. Clothing was literally sitting there waiting for you. I always give away clothes that they grow out of. For some reason, didn't get to his closet yet this year. 
Hashem made me leave it there for you. Hatzlacha. So now not only did she do a tremendous chesed, but she's making it seem like I'm the one helping her out. Mika Amcha Yisra. So first of all, it's a story of Jewish chesed, of love, of kindness, but also the Hashgacha Pratis. She normally cleans out the closet by then. She, whatever reason, procrastinated, didn't get to it, was frustrated. Hashgacha Pratis. It was all from Hashem. That closet was intact so that the stranger whose luggage was lost would have a full wardrobe. Absolutely incredible. I love these stories. We can all, we could all be inspired to do more. You know, there, there are great people who've said, to be a huge Talmachacham, to know Kola Torah Kula, to finish Shas, to have a genius mind, to remember everything, not everybody's made it. We're not designed, we're not programmed. Not all of us are built or equipped for that. But loving kindness, to go above and beyond, to answer status requests for help, every one of us could do that. Every one of us can and should do that and walk in the way of Hashem. Okay, now we can get back to our regular scheduled learning. We're on page Kuf Samach Beis in the handout. Again, Ravitcha Meyer Morgenstern, Bayam Derechacha, not the regular Bayam Derechacha we had been doing, the one on Pesach and Shavu, and Svir Sommer and Shavuos, because we've been talking about Ratzav Ashov, Yimei Katnes Vagadlus, Yimei Yeish, and Ava, when we feel close and when we recoil, when we are uh, the cycles of life, highs and lows in Avodas Hashem. So I thought to myself, why are we continuing this? We originally did this in the month of Av. We were in the three weeks. We were approaching Tisha B'av, And then it made a lot of sense to talk about highs and lows and finding Hashem even while you're sitting on the ground. Why are we still doing this in Elul? So I want to tell you an incredible Megala Amukos. The Megala Amukos, Rav Nassim Natan Shapira of Krakow, who lived in the late 1500s, the 1600s, the Heliga Megala Amukos. And he says the following. We're now in the month of Elul. Elul may be the most famous acronym in all of Judaism. Most famous acronym. What does Elul stand for? Someone tell me one thing Elul stands for. The most famous. Ani dodi vedodi li. I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. Ani dodi vedodi li. Which is of course Shira Shirma talking about our relationship with Hashem. By the way, also in a Muna message. How do we get close to Hashem? Rav Avram Shor says, when I take my Ani and I give it Lidodi. My I, my ego, my sense of self, I'm Mavata. We studied that also in the Amunashir. But when I take my Ani and I give it Lidodi. My Ani and the Dodi can either be in conflict and tension. Hashem, that's what you want. It's not what I want. Hashem, it's not about you. It's about me. It's not your priorities or hierarchy. It's what I want to be doing. Or I could take my Ani. Who am I? What am I made of? What are my talents? What are my, what are my strengths? What is my mission? I take my Ani, who I am, what I'm about, the gifts I've been lent, and I give it, and I submit myself, Lidodi. That's the month of Elo. Elo is a time, Ani, who am I and what am I about? But I'm taking my Ani, and I'm giving it over, I'm submitting it, I'm, I'm relinquishing it. Ani is Lidodi. My Ani is Lidodi. Vidodi Li. And when I do that, you know what Hashem says? That's unbelievable. Wow. That commitment, that loyalty, that affection, I'm going to reciprocate. You are so devoted to me, then dodi li. That Hashem says that I will reciprocate that love and that affection. This is the paradigm for marriage. Shir Shirim, Shlomo Amalek's description, the highest level relationship with Hashem. We have so many metaphors for our relationship with Hashem. What's an example? What's a metaphor? Hashem is our father, we're his children. Av and Bina. What's another one? Master and slave. What's another one? King and servant. 
What's another? There are countless examples or metaphors. In fact, Kabbalah teaches that Hashem, it's not that Hashem created a world and then wrote the Torah. He looked in the Torah, then he created a world. So he looked into the world and he said, hmm, I'm omnipotent, infinite, I'm the source of all. They're going to be finite, limited human beings. How will they relate to me? How will we connect? I need to create examples of relationships that will each be a metaphor for another way they can connect to me. So it's not that after the fact we say, oh, he's like a avinu, malkeinu, he's like a father, he's like a king, he's like a master, he's like a this, he's like a spouse. It's not after the fact, it's that he created these relationships so that, how do we know what it means for Hashem to be our father? Because we are children and please God, we are parents. So we understand that relationship. How do we know what it means that he's our master? Because they're employers and employees, not that those are servants, unless you're in the rabbinate. There are, uh, how do we know what it means to have a loving romantic relationship? There are spouses, husbands, and wives. Histaka ba'oraisa uborei alma. I just spoke at my son-in-law's brother's Ufruf. I mentioned, as far as I bring down, that's why a chassan, a groom, the Shabbos before his wedding, the Ufruf, the Ufruf is not about the decor, the offer is not about the decor. The offer is not about the food or the menu. The offer is certainly is not about the roasting of the friends. The offer is all about the chassan getting a aliyah. It's not even about throwing the candy at his head and missing him and hitting the rabbi. The offer is all about the aliyah. Why does the chassan get an aliyah at his offer? Because Hashem looked into the Torah and then created the world. This chassan is about to get married and create a new world with his wife. He has to look into the Torah. The Shabbos before his wedding, he looks into the Torah so he can now go and create his world. So these are the really, which is the highest relationship? Which one do we strive for? Which is the highest metaphor? Master, slave, father, parent, child, husband, wife. The Mishnah in Yadayim says, Rabbi Kiva Omer Kolashir and Kadosh, Vishir Ashir and Kodesh Akadash. All the songs are holy, all the metaphors are holy. Shirim is the holy of holies. That is the highest of highest when we can feel we're in this romantic, loving, intimate, passionate relationship with Hashem, psst, that's what we're striving for. So our relationship with Hashem should be like a passionate marriage, and a marriage should be like a passionate relationship with Hashem. Marriage similarly, marriage is not about, let's see what you could do for me. Make me dinner, pay the bills, bringing an income, put the kids to bed. Marriage is not about what I can take, it's what can I give? What can I give, not what can I take? Ani, I want to take my ani. I've worked on myself for 18, 19, 21, 30, 40, 50 years. My ani, who I am, I give le dodi, I give to you. And then dodi li, and each side, then you have two halves becoming a whole. But if each one says, what can I take? How can you serve me? What can you do for me? Then you have one plus one. Then you have two people competing. A healthy marriage is my ani is lidodi. My ani is lidodi. So that is the most popular acronym. Elul. We take so many detours. You know how hard it is to stay on this highway? It's exhausting. I have whiplash. I'm dizzy. But stay with me. I'm driving, so stay with me. Elul. Most famous acronym. That's how we got into this. Ani lidodi, vidodili. Anyone, anyone know another acronym for Elul? The Ketzer Shekhanar quotes many of these. Simen kuf chav ches. Ani lidodi, vidodili. Anyone know another one? Wrong holiday. What holiday is that? 
What happens to be that Purim and Yom Kippurim are two sides of the same coin, so it's not really another holiday. There's a deep connection between Purim and Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippurim. Ishlere Eyum Atanas Lavionim tells me Elo is not just about. I don't climb into an ivory tower. I don't retreat. It's me and God. I can't talk to anyone else. I'm not aware of anyone else. I don't have room or space or energy to care about anyone else. It's Anila Dodi Vidodi Li is my relationship with Hashem. Ishlere Eyum Atanas Lavionim is a commitment and a care and a concern for the people around me. Matanas Lavionim, Vishloach Manos is all about caring the people around me. Ishlere Eyu Umatanos. Le'evyonim. Another acronym. Anyone know another one? The Arizal says, V'asher lo tzadav ha'elokim ana liado v'samti l'cha. Ana liado v'samti l'cha. There, there are many. There are countless. There, there are not countless, but there are many, 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 many. But I want to share with you the Megala Amukos. The Heligen Megala Amukos. The Rebbe in Parshish Ekev writes, Elul is Aron Luchos v'shivrei luchos. Aron, luchos v'shivrei luchos. The Aron, the Ark, the luchos, the tablets. V'shivrei luchos means the broken tablets. Why would Elo stand for Aron, luchos v'shivrei luchos? So we know the Torah says that what did we put into the Aron? Echtov al-luchos is advarma sha'ayu l'chus v'shonam asher shibarta v'samtam ba'aron. The luchos that you broke and placed them in the Aron. The Gemara Menachos, the Gemara Baba Basra, the Gemara in several places tell us that luchos, vishivre luchos, munachem ba'aron. You know what were in the Ark, in the, in the Beis HaMikdash, in the Aron? It had the new, the beautiful tablets that persevered, that endured, but it also had the shards, the pieces of the broken tablets. Why? Why didn't you throw them away? The vase breaks. The bowl breaks, shards, pieces. Throw them away, collect them, put them away. It's holy, put them in Shamos. Bury them, put them in Shamos. What are you doing in the sacred space of the Aron? Such limited space. It was actually a miraculous space. The things that were in it were bigger than the room that there was. It was a miracle that it fit in the Aron. And you're taking a precious real estate of the Aron, more valuable than Montoya Circle, and you're taking up with shivrei luchos, with the shards, with the pieces. Why? Why? So there are many beautiful interpretations that focus on the idea that a Jew doesn't have only the whole moments, we have broken moments. And we grow and we live and we hold on to the broken moments as much as we do the whole moments. Life is not linear, life is not simple. Life has highs and lows. It is moments of feeling whole and moments of feeling broken. And we don't discard and we don't get rid of and we don't erase and we don't forget and we don't revise and rewrite our own history. But there are broken moments and they go in the our own too. They go in the our own too. I'll give you two examples. We may even get to the safer today. I'll give you two other examples of it. Marriage on the mind. What does a chassan do the last thing at the chuppah? Breaks the glass. Breaks the glass. Why does a chassan break the glass? The last time he's going to put his foot down. Okay, very good. Everybody knows that. Aha, uh-huh, classic joke. Classic rabbi Jewish joke. Caffeinate with kavana. I'm going to share. Why does he break the glass? So, of course, because we're remembering Yerushalayim. 
The world is incomplete. There was another tragedy in Israel today. A soldier was killed in a training exercise. Nebuch on that family. Nebuch on that family. The Jewish people, we should all feel broken. It's a piece of us which is deeply and profoundly broken. Every time there's a tragedy. Anti-Semitism, Jews were beaten up on the streets of Brooklyn again yesterday. And again, no one's doing anything about it. Dangerous, damaging, devastating. So we break a glass because we're in the moment of incredible joy. I don't care how many singers you have singing, how much backup choir you have, how many flowers and decor, we're broken. With all the wholeness and all the song and all the harmony, we break a glass because we're broken, we're incomplete. There's no Beis Amikdash, there's no Mashiach, and we continue to suffer. We long for, perfect timing, we long for Mashiach. We long for Mashiach, we break that glass, we remind ourselves we long for Him. But there's another reason. And you know what that reason is? Dear Hassan and dear Kala, need to know, you think you're madly in love and you love each other's cute little idiosyncrasies which are adorable and everything is so perfect and amazing. You need to know things are going to break. You don't leave the chuppah without breaking a glass because you need to know things are going to break. They're going to break. They're going to break, you're going to have a fight, a disagreement, tension. They're going to break, you're going to have difficult moments. They're going to break hopes and dreams might not come true. Yechavid and I soon are doing a panel. We're speaking for an organization, a time for those struggling with pregnancy loss about uh, to, to give some chizak. I think that it's a terrible disservice that we do, that we don't teach young people, maybe senior year of high school, maybe yeshiva seminary, maybe chassan and kala classes, what percentage of pregnancies end with a miscarriage. They shouldn't just think because they read in the bulletin of their shul every Shabbos, mazel tov on a new baby, that as soon as you're ready, you get married, you try, and you pop out babies at will. That's not the way of the world. They should know that, please God, they'll find their mate. But there are a lot of people that take some time and you need to be patient. And there's a life, even while you're waiting to get married, that doesn't have to define you. We need to teach young people that there are broken moments. There are broken moments. So a chassan breaks the glass under the chuppah because what we're telling the chassan and kala is there are highs and lows. There are moments of wholeness and moments of brokenness. And in Elul, it's not only Aron Veluchos, says the Megala Amukos, it's Aron Veluchos Ve Shivrei Luchos. In Elul, we look back on our last year and we plan with an eye towards the next year and we are focused on an Aron, the light of the Aron, the holiness of the Aron, the spirituality of the Aron. And we embrace and we remember and we are nostalgic for our Luchos moments but we also remember our Shivrei Luchos moments. There are moments of brokenness. There are moments of incompleteness. There are moments of dashed dreams. There are moments of tension and loss. There are moments of pain and suffering. There are Shivrei Luchos in the Aron too. Elul is not all fun and games or joy or simple. Elul is Aron, Veluchos, Vishivrei Luchos as well. That's what we work on. That's one of the acronyms. Ani dodi vedodi li. I give my ani dodi. Says Rav Shor. Ish matanas I have to care about and see, and be compassionate and have empathy for the people around me. And Aaron luchos v'shivrei luchos. Life is not simple. I'll give you one last example of it. Pesach. Pesach. It's only erev. Rosh Hashanah. Don't worry. It's not Pesach. But there was an ancient custom quoted by Rishonim. They would have a fourth matzah at the seder. We're accustomed to three matzahs, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. The Avos, or three matzahs, correspond with uh, Kohen Levi Yisrael, all the different reasons for three matzahs. 
but there was a minhag to have four matzahs. And the fourth matzah was brought down by Rishonim was called matzah suffik. Matzah suffik. What is a matzah suffik? What's a matzah suffik? So the tradition was you brought a backup matzah to the Seder table. You know why? Because there was a good chance that a matzah was going to break. A matzah is going to break. Someone's going to spill the wine. You should start out the Seder by knocking over a cup. Yeah. Good, done. We got that out of the way. We got that out of the way. We've ruined the tablecloth. We spilled. It's all over the kittel. We got that out of the way. Now, Kadesh Urchatz. Now we can begin. It's a beautiful symbolism that you bring that matzah suffix to the table because you need to know. You come to the Pesach Seder. Now, the highest level of depression studies show is around holidays. I'm not talking about Jewish holidays, all that then too probably, but secular holidays. Because people come to those holidays with expectations. You know what? This time it's going to be different. My parents, my siblings, my place at the table, the way it all goes, it's going to be different. This time it's going to be different. But it's not. And it's disappointing. And in some cases devastating. And then people get terribly depressed. So we bring the matzah suffix to the Seder table to say, you know what? Be prepared and know going in, something's going to spill. Something's going to break. Something's going to go wrong. You're going to have broken luchos moments. Put them in your aron. They too go in the aron. They too go in the aron. You can grow the most from those moments sometimes. Sometimes those moments reveal a breakthrough opportunity. Esther Perel, a great therapist, talks, she has a TED talk with millions of views I highly recommend. She talks about coming back from infidelity. She talks about how the broken moments can either end a relationship or they can be the launch of a new relationship, of a second marriage with the same person because they reveal something that could or needed to be fixed. It's the perspective that one brings, not a simple topic whatsoever, but there is a metaphor for life also in a relationship with Hashem when it's broken or there's infidelity or there's broken luchos. They belong. You don't erase it. You don't pretend it didn't happen. You don't have revisionist memory or history, but it goes into the Aron, the Shivrei Luchos. Aron, the Luchos, the Shivrei Luchos. They all belong, we learn, and we gain something from all of it. All right, so let's begin. We have four minutes left. Let's begin. Let's begin. We're on page Kuf Samach Beis. So we've talked about why. Why did Hashem create the world this way? Why do we need Shnei Matzavim? Why do we need highs and lows? Why do we need... Sometimes we feel close, sometimes we feel distant. Sometimes we feel whole, sometimes we feel broken. Can't it be simple? That's when you have a shul, minyanim all over. You hear the chauffeur. Why, why can't it be simple? Why can't it be simple? Why does it have to be this way? So Avichamaya talked about the reason is because we are created. We are among the nivra. We are among the created. God is the creator and we are the created. And being created creates two realities. On the one hand, when we focus on the fact that I am created, I only exist, I only serve at the pleasure of God. I only exist because of the generosity and the graciousness of God. And therefore, I don't really have an identity or a reality independent or outside of God. He created, I am created because of Him. On the other hand, simultaneously we feel, but you know what? He created me. And now I exist, so I'm good to go. Thank you, God. Shkoyach, I'm here. Now I'm a someone, and I'm good to go. I'll let you know if I need you. I'm independent. I have my own position, my own status, my own identity, my own independence. So being a nivra 
yields two realities simultaneously, both of feeling dependent and independent, feeling I have an identity and I have no identity, it's intertwined with you. And because there are those two realities that result from being among the created, we have the two feelings. One of them breeds, I feel close, Ratsa, I'm running to you, I feel close to you, I feel connected to you. Tomorrow night, 9 p.m., his bodidus at the beach, for those who want to join us. We're going to learn a little piece from Nachman about his bodidus and spread out on the dark beach without our phones to have a genuine conversation with the Almighty. Sometimes we're running to get close to him, to talk to him, to feel in his presence. But then when we feel I'm independent, I don't need you, I'm good to go, God. Then show if I feel distant, I feel I'm on my own. I either don't feel your presence, see your presence, don't feel I need your presence. So it brings both reality. The question is, what's the avoda? How do we serve him when we're in a position of katnas? Mochen de katnas. We're in a place of smallness. We're in a place of low, not in a place of, of high. So, we, you know, we won't open the Sefer. I'll end by telling you a beautiful teaching of Rav Nachman in advance of tomorrow night. Rav Nachman in Lukute Mu'aran, in uh, the first volume, he writes the following. Chassidim are very mistaken when they think, at times, that they have suddenly fallen in their avodas Hashem. It's not really a fall at all. It is precisely because they're ascending from the level to level that all the old obstacles, the desires, confusions, fantasies, doubts, impediments, they reawaken and attack them. A person must constantly work to subdue the barriers on every level. The truth is it's not a fall at all. Even when you, fall, you, fell, you, even when you feel you've fallen, you feel you're far away, that's a fall because you ran into a, a ceiling because you've been climbing. Every time you climb, there'll be a ceiling that tries to get in your way. And when you bounce off of it, it feels like a fall, but you just need to run through it or over it or around it. What feels like a fall is really a regrouping. It's a re-energizing. That's the world we live in is constant change of highs and lows. And he explains in a beautiful safer in all of your ways, there's a beautiful explanation of an old story that we know. The Gemara Shabbos, Lamed Aleph, tells the story of Shammai and Hillel, that the convert came and said, I want to become Jewish standing on one foot. What did Shammai do? He chased him away with a rod, chased him away with an instrument, with a tool. He went to Hillel, what did Hillel do? He said, I'll convert you. So the Maggot of Mezrich says, says the Hillel Maggot of Mezrich, you know what was going on over here? This non-Jew said, I want to become a Jew, but only if I can have whole, the whole luchos. I don't want broken luchos. I'll become a Jew if I could stand on one foot. What is standing on one foot? The highs. One foot means balance. I don't want any lows. I don't want to fall. I want to be able to stand on one foot. I want to comfortably balance, feel whole and happy. I only want the highs of Yiddishkeit. I only want the ratzah, not the shov, the kedem, not the achor. I only want the godless, not the katnas. I only want to feel the good and the pleasure. And what did Shammai do? He took a builder's rod a builder's tool and chased him away. Why? He's hinting, that's not the structure of the world. The builder's tool. That's not the way the world is built, the way the world is created. The world has highs and lows and we need to take a tool and repair. We need to rebuild. We need to climb. We need to fix. We need to repair. There's ups and there's downs. He went to Hillel and Hillel felt the same way. He was of the same opinion, but Hillel said, whatever you hate, don't do to your friend. Out of love, he said, that uh, he would teach him, he'd convert, and later he would teach him that there's luchos and there's shivrei luchos. There's highs and there's lows, and we have to learn to connect to Hashem in all of the circumstances. So I guess next week we'll pick up with how. How do you connect with Hashem in those moments of low? When you feel far away, when you feel distanced, how do you connect to Hashem? It's easy when you're on a high. 
It's easy when you can't wait for the next kumzitz and you're dancing to that Heilige Jewish music and you can't wait for the next davening to pour out your heart to him and you can't wait to stay after Amunashir to say Tehillim that Esther Tehillim Basari Yatsipor should have a complete speedy for Shlema. Please stay afterwards. We have the Tehillim each week after the Amunashir. It's easy when you're on a high, Neila, song, you don't even want the fast to end. It's easy. But what happens when you wonder where is he? And why is he doing this? And why don't I feel him? And why don't I feel like doing anything? How do you get going in those moments? Mir Tzashem, we will pick up with next time. Tonight, living with Amun, tonight, behind the beam at 9 p.m. Tomorrow evening, 9 p.m. I spotted us at the beach. Outside now, you could purchase your caffeinate with Kavana and your turn the page notebook, which will be available online soon as well. So next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy.